I have so many wires, I've got to untangle myself. So there's something about, it's, it's, it's important for us to learn about using our gifts because even if it's not your main job to be a musician, and it's not my main job to be a musician, it's one of my callings. And so it doesn't matter what my title is, it means that I have to keep using those gifts that God gave me. So anyway, hope that that just settled in your soul. Because I think given all the things that are going on in the world right now, you need to remember the Lord is your shepherd and you have nothing that you will be in want for. So may God bless you with that. Yeah, I got my heartbeat up a little bit. That's good. It's like working out, only different. Book of Colossians. This is where we are traveling this fall and um, this series, what I'm calling Rooted and Built Up. This little phrase is actually from the two scriptures we're going to look at today. Just a reminder, if you are new to the faith or you just need a reminder, the Bible has 66 different books in it. Uh, written by over 40 different authors over 1,500 years. And in the midst of this collection of books, we have 13 of Paul's letters. And one of his letters that he was sending to one of the churches is Colossians. It was written to a people in Colossae. And this is a city in modern-day Turkey. It was called Asia Minor at that time. And so this book is a letter That's the genre it is. And so he's writing this letter to the Colossians. Paul is with the help of Timothy. And as he's writing, there's, this is the simple way to divide it. You've got the first half of the, half of the book is doctrine. The things that are true about God, about us and about the world, the things that we need to know. And then the last half, chapters three and four is about how we walk this out. Walk being the important word that I just used. Now, um, I want you to think about ski school. Have you ever, anybody ever been to snow ski school? Raise your hand, right? So I don't know what it was like for you, but you know, they, they generally show you how to put the boots on, how to get up when you fall, because when you're learning how to ski, you fall a lot, or if you're me, then you fall a lot. And I was in junior high when I first learned to ski. And so and there's, there's, uh, there's a couple things that you learn, right? French fries means you're going to go fast and... Pizza means you're going to slow down, right? Don't get those two things confused or else you'll end up plowing right through someone. So wouldn't it be silly if you learned all morning how to ski and then the afternoon when you're supposed to get on the ski lift and go up the hill, you just said, no, I'm going to just hang out in the lodge. Wait, you just went through all the ski school. Don't you want to ski? No, no, I'm good. I think I've learned enough. But, but you didn't even get on the, the chairlift. You just got on the bunny hill with the, with the rope toe. Like, it's, there's more to it. Nope, nope, I'm good. I'm, I'm just going to stay there. And this book of Colossians so far has almost been like ski school, where Paul actually so far has not given you an imperative verb saying this is what you should do. Not yet. He's just been telling you a whole bunch of stuff you need to know. And it's absolutely critical so that you can then begin to put this into practice. So even though we're not in chapter 3 and 4 yet, we are beginning to see a little bit of what Paul wants us, how he wants us to put this, what he's written to the Colossians, into practice. So here's our passage. Generally, I've been doing large passages. Today, I'm just doing two verses. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7 reads this way. So then, or therefore, depending upon which version you're reading, 
just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. All right, let's take a look at some of these words. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. Christ is the word for Messiah. He is the fulfillment of all the prophecies of Messiah. So he's Christ, Jesus, his proper name, of course, and Lord. Do you know that Caesar was called Lord? And if you called anyone else but, but Caesar Lord, you were, you were in trouble. Do you know that Caesar was also called Son of God? Yeah, he's not the Son of God. But he called himself that. So when Paul is saying you've received the Messiah Jesus as your Lord, not your emperor, but this is the one who I'm really, this is the boss, this is the master. The Lord, the Kyrios was the master. So this is what Paul's saying. You have received Jesus as Lord. Oftentimes we think about this as um, surrendering our life to Jesus and that's what we oftentimes call becoming a Christian and then receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit living inside us that gives you the, whole, the power and the love and the ability to actually live out and this life that he's called us to. And so there is this idea of receiving Jesus as your Savior. Well, sure, that would make sense. But in this case, received is actually a word that's as if you received a tradition, right? So, you know, I received a tradition that on Christmas, my dad would pull out the Luke 2 and would read the Christmas story before we had presents, right? You might have received a tradition in your family where you sit around the Thanksgiving table and you say what you're thankful for all the way around. A lot of families do that. If you haven't, you should try that. It's a good idea. There's a lot of traditions that we receive, and they might be good. But in this case, we're not receiving a tradition. We're receiving, the tradition we're getting is a person of Jesus Christ. Now, next week, we're going to see the contrast to this tradition. That's why I want to bring it out now. Because we're going to see an empty tradition that comes from men instead of from God. In this case, though, we've received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We've surrendered to him. If you've not done this yet, this is the best decision you'll ever make in your life. It will begin to transform you from the way you are now into a new creature. I'm sitting next to this gal on the train yesterday, and uh, maybe she's listening right now. If you are, I'm talking about you. Um, <laughs> you don't know her, so it's safe. She said, I'm really afraid to go to church because I'm afraid that the place will burn down when I walk in. I'm like, wait a second. You know, if you've given your life to Jesus, then you've been forgiven. Like, that stuff's behind you. Sure, we still struggle in this, in this life. We do things wrong. But the work was finished at the cross, and you can be confident that the building's not going to burn down. Because when we give our life to Jesus, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new creation. The old things have passed away, the new things come. And in her mind, she's thinking, yeah, but I got to like clean some stuff up first before I go back to church. And, and maybe you're thinking, I have to clean up some stuff before I finally surrender to Jesus. 
but you're going to do that in your own power and that's not going to work out so well for you. How about you just surrender? You come to Jesus as you are and then let him begin to do the work from the inside out because he gives you the power to actually do those things. So if you're in a space where you're saying, I haven't given my life to Jesus, but I've been thinking about it, I'm going to remind you at the end of this sermon that you and I need to have a short conversation because I want to lead you into a place of faith today. So this is receiving Christ Jesus as Lord. I think it's also really cool that you have the, the Jewishness of the Messiah and then the kind of the Western Greek, Roman, kurios, um, Greek word here. Once again, Paul is trying to bring Jews and non-Jews, Jews and Gentiles together under the banner of Jesus. That being much more important than their own human tradition. So then you've received Jesus as your Lord. Continue to live your lives in him. This doesn't mean what you think it means. It means this. This is walking with Jesus. The word is to walk in him. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, Ephesians 4, 1 says. Paul says, to walk in this way seven times in six chapters in the book of Ephesians, which probably was written around the same time as the book of Colossians and probably delivered maybe a similar time. And by the way, they're only 100 miles apart, so it could have been that they've even, these letters even traveled together. There's a lot of overlap between these two letters uh, that Paul wrote, right? Right? I, this is my cheering section down here. They've been studying Paul's letters. And so they're like, yes, I know what you're saying right now, guys. Ah! <laughs> so this walking is critical. And we see it actually in some other sections of the book as well. But that for a different day. Rooted. We are rooted because we have received Jesus as the Lord. This reminds me of... Jeremiah 17, 8, verse 7 talks about the one who trusts in the Lord. This is what's true of him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that will send out its roots by the stream. Does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. Has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. This kind of tree is one who trusts. This kind of person is it like a tree, person who trusts the Lord. There is this radical daily, moment by moment, surrender. Okay, God, you know better. You know, you know the way. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to look for you wherever you are. Here I am, God. There's this trusting that just those roots just go out and begin to grab the nourishment of God so we're strengthened and our leaves will be green, will bear fruit. Reminds me of John 15 where Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So there's an organic Illustration here, you're connected to Jesus. We talked a little bit about the organic last week with my little succulent that looks like it's kind of fallen over. But we're connected to him. But this rooted, now we're going to get to be real Bible nerds. Are you ready? Put your, put your glasses on with the tape in the middle. Dave, you got it? All right, great. Um, rooted, this is a perfect tense. What does that mean? Well, I put it on the screen so I don't forget. Expressing continuing results of an action completed in the past. This is an aorist verb. What does that mean? It means that Jesus was the one who did this work. We were rooted by him. We don't root ourselves. I think I'm going to root myself like this. You don't, this is not your effort. 
You are rooted because you surrendered to Jesus. Now, if you're a gardener or if you have pulled weeds before, you know that the further the roots go, the harder it is to pull it out, right? And you don't get swayed. There are some weeds that just are so difficult to get out of the ground because their root system is just, it goes wide and deep. I was thinking about the root system of a redwood forest. Now, I have a little graphic up there. Do you know that redwoods will oftentimes, they'll intertwine their roots with the trees next to them? So then when the rains come and the winds blow, those, those trees that are, I mean, some like 300 plus feet tall stand firm. Why? Because they are in community. They're planted in community. But who does the planting? This is my big point here. God is the one who does the planting. You don't root yourself. And the perfect tense of the verb tells you that. This is going to, this is, this rooting is going to, to remain firm because he's the one who put it there. So you can have confidence that you're rooted, but you're also built up in him. This is a, a word that has to do with construction. And this is, this is a present tense verb. It's ongoing. It means that you're being built up. You just continually are built up. Who's doing the building? He is. Why? Because he's the one who rooted us. It reminds me of the idea that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God is always wanting to dwell with his people. And we are called his, the temple of his Holy Spirit in many of Paul's books. But as a church, we are also called the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he, Jesus, is the cornerstone. So this idea of being built up, it means that this foundation is strong and firm and he will continue to build you. He's not going to say, "Ah, oh, well, it was a good ride for three years, but I think I'm done with you. God's not going to say that to you. He's just not. You're rooted. You're built up. So now we've done an analogy with organic stuff. We've done an analogy with building. Let's do another one, shall we? Actually, before that, strengthened, being strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. How were you taught? Wait a second. Paul, as far as we know, didn't actually go to Colossae. Is he referring to what Epaphras taught them? Maybe, but I think that there's more evidence that within the book here, we were taught by the Holy Spirit. Why do I say that? John 16, 13 says that the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. He is a teaching God. And then looking back at the context of this verse, we'll go back to Colossians 1, verses 9 through 10. It talks about, he's praying, Paul's praying for the Colossians. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, with all wisdom and understanding that the, who, who gives? Spirit gives. Ah, so that you may live a life. By the way, you know what that word is? Walk. So that you may walk worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing good fruit, every good work. Okay. And then in the beginning of Colossians, Colossians 2 verses uh, 2 through 4, my purpose is that, that you might be encouraged in heart, united in love, and so that you would have the full riches of complete understanding in order that you might know the mystery of God, namely Christ, 
in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Are you starting to see some repetitive words here? Wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and who gives them according to Colossians 1 verse 9? Oh, come on. And who gives these according to Colossians 1 9? The Holy Spirit does. Of course he does, right? I mean, there's other people like me that will remind you, but he's the one that really teaches us these things. And we're strengthened by him. Strengthened. What does it mean to be strengthened? Well, good news. This is not a once and for all action. This is a present tense. It is being strengthened, being built up, being strengthened. This is a continual commitment that the Lord has in your life. He who began a good work in you will take it unto completion, even if it takes until the day of Christ Jesus. That's what Philippians 1 6 says. God is a finishing God. He doesn't just kind of like, ah, oh, well, you know, it's fine. No, he's, he is committed to you growing, to be strengthened, and you, he does that through his Holy Spirit. One last word. And overflowing with thankfulness. Overflowing. This means you're constantly overflowing. It's another present tense verb. After that first one, it was all present tense. It's happening, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. Now that first one, it will always be and will always end up giving you that stability, but it was perfectly done. In this case, it's just happening over and over. This is the first of four application points for this. Gratitude. Piglet noticed that even though he had a very small heart, it could hold a rather large amount of gratitude. I think we choose into gratitude. I think gratitude is directly connected to how we see where all things come from. If you've ever had the privilege of doing children's ministry and you ask a question in children's ministry, the answer is almost always Jesus, right? Even if it's, you know, what's gray and fluffy and runs around and eats nuts and like runs in front of our car, it sounds like a squirrel, but I'm going to say Jesus, right? So Jesus, yeah, right. So there's this sense that the kids in Sunday school know it all points back to Jesus. Everything does. It's kind of a silly analogy, but oftentimes you go, well, but I made that decision. Yeah, but who helped you make that decision? Who was resourcing you? Who put you together? Who held your, all of your cells together and gave you breath while you made that decision? And I can go on and on, but I think you get the picture. Recognizing that all, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father. David Garland says this, those who bubble over with gratitude for what God has already done are not easy prey to anxiety and doubt. If you struggle with anxiety and doubt, I would say the first thing you should check on is how you doing with gratitude. Your counselor might even tell you that. Your counselor might tell you, you could choose into gratitude. Some people actually have a gratitude journal where they write down the things that they're thankful for. Or they'll think about the, you know, their day before they go to bed and they just go, God, I'm thankful for these things. Sometimes it's small things. For me, it was getting a seat in the observation car yesterday as I took the train to Eugene. 
And as I looked at the aspens that were like waving at me with their golden leaves, and I thought, I am so blessed to have this seat right here, right now, to be on this side of the train instead of that other side, because that other side has a crummy view. But look at my view. And then I, I felt blessed that the conductor guy came by and said, I'll tell you where the, where the cool waterfalls are if you, if you want to know. Yeah, I want to know, I want to know, I want to know. So he was standing behind me and I was like, okay, where are they? I'm going to try to take a picture. Never works, but that's okay. God, thank you. You're so kind to me that I got to have that experience yesterday. He's the one that's orchestrating all things. So if you're struggling with anxiety and doubt, like so many people are, worry, trying to figure out, you feel so out of control. Gratitude is your secret weapon. By the way, this is going to be like on loop here for the next few months. That's the first thing, gratitude. Second one has to do with a posture of learning. It was Albert Einstein who said, once you stop learning, you start dying. He also said, I have no special talent. I am only passionately curious. And I challenge you, will you remain passionately curious about the things of God? Will you continue to look words up and read the Bible and listen to messages and do whatever you need to do in order to keep learning? It was uh, Scott Peck who said, the path of spiritual growth is a path of lifelong learning. For me, I'm always learning. That's where the Lord reveals all sorts of things. Remember, Jesus is called like the treasure chest of wisdom and understanding. A lot of great discovery to be done. Third thing, prayer. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing, said Martin Luther. William Gurnall said, Satan cannot deny but that great wonders have been wrought by prayer. As the spirit of prayer goes up, so his kingdom comes down. Last week in the chapel, I was challenged by the Lord to give him my first hour in the office. Just strategic prayer, one on one with him. And I don't have an obedience problem. I have a clarity problem. But when I get clear, I have no problem doing the right thing. I had the most amazing week this week. Why? Because I spent one more hour in prayer and hearing what God had to say. And you know what he did? People started calling me that were on my list to call. I started getting messages before things got solved. All of a sudden, like the stuff that was supposed to take a lot, a lot of time, it, it just got taken care of. Like, what is going on? Oh, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then everything else gets added to me. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's about the kingdom. It's about seeking him first. It's about putting him first. Okay. What's happening in this season? The Lord is moving in new ways, but he's bringing us back to old things that are not a surprise. I'm not going to say anything you're going to be amazed by today. Because if you commit yourself to really seek God, he will meet you. He will provide for your needs. He'll begin to change even the people around you that you feel like I've been praying for 23 years. I haven't seen anything, but oh my gosh, they're asking me questions about faith. Last thing, 
the word. The scriptures teach us the the best way of living, the noblest way of suffering, and the most comfortable way of dying. Thought that was cute. And Billy Graham, a young version, said, the very practice of reading the Bible will have a purifying effect upon your mind and heart. Let nothing take the place of this daily exercise. Some of you really struggle because you go, yeah, but I got all these thoughts that I'm like fighting in my mind. And yes, it's true. The enemy's going to try to throw every dirty thought in the world at you. But it is so true. As we spend time in God's word, it begins to cleanse our mind. It just, it, there's just something about it. It begins to renew our minds. So these are just four ways that you could begin to kind of step into this. Now, the truth is he's already rooted you, so you're not going to root yourself, right? He's committed to building you up and strengthening you. That's not going to change. And certainly our response needs to be. And in this life, thanksgiving, because it says, God, you're the source. You're the one. I'm recognizing you to be the one who's doing all these things. Gratitude, a learning posture, prayer, and the word. So for those of you who like to have a little list of things to focus on this week, you're more than welcome to do that. The truth is, we got one word to walk with Jesus. So what's it look like for you to walk with Jesus this week? Since I'm doing things I don't normally do, turn to the person next to you. Tell them to answer this one question. What's it look like for you to walk with Jesus this week? What could that look like? Every answer is going to be different. There's no right answer. Turn to the person next to you. Go ahead, Eddie. You can do it. You got this. What's it look like? You can do pairs of three or two, whatever. What's it look like? One more second here. Okay, finish up that thought. For some of you, you sense that you need to take a larger risk, and the Lord is challenging you to take a risk. For some of you, it's just you need to get quiet because the Lord wants to show you something. You know it. If you just get quiet, then the Lord's going to show you something. Some of you need to spend time in solitude. Some of you probably said, I need to take a walk with Jesus, literally a walk. Best time to pray is walking with Jesus, and there's beautiful places to do that. It could be that you're supposed to reach out to one of your family members this week. And the Lord is challenging you to do that. And it feels like a little bit of a risk, like me singing a song that's barely done. Or maybe there's something you're supposed to actually apologize to your kids about. Because you recognize that you just haven't been owning your stuff and you're not actually even modeling a contriteness and a brokenness of heart because you know you messed that up and you just need to say, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Will you forgive? 
whatever it is that God's calling you to do, he wants you to walk with him. The good news is that we walk with Jesus and he has a perfect pace for us. Why? Because we know he offers us his light yoke. And a yoke is a work instrument between two animals and it would pace the younger and less mature animal, that would be us, to the perfectly mature one, who would be Jesus. And we don't have to walk outside of his pace. He wants to teach you his pace by walking with you. And he wants you to choose to walk with him. Let's stand. Pray a blessing over you. Prayer team, if you'd come forward, um, maybe the Lord has challenged you to walk with him this week in one of the ways that I mentioned or another way that I didn't mention. And you just want somebody to pray with you for a moment about it. Um, This room down front, it's open for you to come and receive. These people will not share your story, um, but it's important for us to trust others and to walk with them as well. So Jesus, thank you for your goodness and grace. I pray for wisdom for us that we would learn how to walk your pace. And Jesus, I want to learn from you. So teach me by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the wisdom, the understanding, the knowledge, the treasures that you have for us this week. Pray that you'd pour them out generously. Thank you that you say you will. So I pray a blessing on those of us meeting here as well as online in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Just a reminder, especially for those of you who are online and might not have heard the audio at the beginning because we had a technical difficulty, life groups happening. We would love to connect you with life groups, so let us know here in the office and we'll help you get connected. Otherwise, bless you everyone. We'll see you next week.